0: Kevin on SaaS. My name is Kevin DeWalt and this is my regular podcast on starting and growing a SaaS business. This week I'm going to talk about fundraising and especially or specifically angel fundraising and how to raise money from individual angel investors in fifteen dollars to $50,000 checks. This, I decided to do this podcast after I gave a speech last week on the same topic to the National Science Foundation. They have an annual conference in Atlanta, and I was their keynote speaker over lunch, and I covered this topic. I got a lot of really good feedback on it. It's the first time I've ever tried speaking publicly about angel investing, so I thought, why not take the the same work I did to prepare for the presentation and talk to you about it? So uh, a quick update on my podcast experiment. If you remember from the, or if you had a chance to listen to the very first Um, episode I did in the show, I mentioned that I'm doing podcasting as an experiment to figure out if this channel works for me. And I'm doing a very specific test. I'm going to do 10 episodes and my criteria for success is, am I making at least one good new professional relationship, somebody who might be an investor, a customer, an employee, that I would not have otherwise uh, made if I wasn't doing the show. So that's my success criteria. And one of my other requirements is that I have to be able to do a podcast in less than two and a half hours a week. Otherwise, it's really just not worth my time. And um, I've got to have some way to measure the ROI of doing this. And so these are the metrics that I've chosen. So far, I don't think I've made any new relationships. Uh, There could be people that I will meet who are listening now that I just don't know, Um, but I'm not too worried about that because I haven't tried to have any guests or I haven't really made an effort to use the podcast to meet anyone new. As far as overall time, so far I don't think it's been a problem, mostly because the topics that I've been covering are things out of my work, like this presentation today that I've already done the legwork for anyway, so it's mostly a matter of just sitting down and recording it and doing all the post-processing. Um, I guess I've been investing a little bit more time in the upfront learning, especially about how to make the audio sound a little bit, the audio quality a little bit better. I know that bad audio drives me nuts, and I'm actually recording this episode a second time because the first episode I really wasn't too happy with how my voice sounded. So I'm trying to make the whole conversation a little bit more natural to slow down let points speak in to change the position of the microphone so I can talk more in a, a conversational setting, like I would do in a coffee shop, for instance. So, um, if you have any feedback on the audio quality or or maybe ways that I can improve my cadence, um, please let me know. Okay, so let's talk about this week's episode. I'm going to talk about angel investing, and the I want to make sure that we're we have the same context for what what this is about. The scope of this discussion is about how to go out and raise money in small checks from individual investors or angels. To give you a little bit more background, if you if you don't know me well, I've actually been involved in early stage technology companies for about 20 years now in startups. I started my first SaaS company before the term SaaS even existed in 1999, and I have invested in three SaaS companies as an angel investor, CollabSpot, Sampler, and MadKudu. You can learn more about those by checking out my angel profile or looking on AngelList. And I'm a, a SaaS entrepreneur. I build my own products, and I'm getting ready to start my next uh, pro- start my next SaaS product. And uh, so this is a topic that I'm reasonably familiar with from both sides of the table. The reason that I wanted to talk about this is because this is not typically the type of information that most entrepreneurs get to hear about. If you read VC blogs about fundraising or you know follow AngelList where they have some fantastic advice, but most of it's geared around using their platform, nobody really talks about the actual process to go out and find and engage people to get them to write fifteen dollars to $50,000 checks. So that's the scope of what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to try to help you understand who angels are and why they're motivated to invest in you, how you can go find them, engage them, and get them to invest in your startup. Um, So let's let's first talk about who uh, who angels are and maybe some of the myths versus realities. So I guess it was about 20, 21 years ago when I took a class at Stanford called EE204. At the time, it was taught by a pretty famous Silicon Valley entrepreneur named Fred Gibbons. He was the founder of Harvard Graphics, and it was a business management for electrical engineers and computer science majors. I think that was the, I think that was the title of the course. And it was all about how you could teach EE's and CS majors the basics of business, sort of like an MBA in a quarter, I guess was the the idea for the class. And as part of this this class, we were taught. You know, we, were, we learned about angel investors. I'd never heard the term before, and the way it was described to me is that an angel investor is typically somebody who's been a successful entrepreneur, who is now spending their time—they're uh, retired—they're spending their time in their yacht, and they want to give back to the uh, to other entrepreneurs uh, in by writing uh, investments to make more money, and also have the opportunity to mentor and and guide new entrepreneurs. And I certainly know people like that. Steve Blank is a, is a good example. Uh, although I don't know how much um, Steve is actively angel investing, but I think he's a, a good example. But, but for the most part, this character really isn't true. Um, and for one thing, for one thing, I I always found it kind of funny when everybody whenever or whenever anyone described this angel investor was always a yacht involved and so it was always the rich retired you know serial entrepreneur who now spends all his time on his yacht and then makes time to invest in startups and so you kind of get this image of this you know, successful wealthy person who's in the latter part of their career that wants to give back and, and mentor and guide entrepreneurs but there's a problem with this definition of angel investing is that when people actually went and looked at the data um, they found it's not true and it was a good book written by a gentleman whose name escapes me now but uh, called fool's gold that i read a few years ago uh, Scott Shane, maybe that name. I don't know if that's the right name or not. But he actually went out and studied angel investors and to try to see who these people are and do they fit this this uh, stereotype of being the rich retired founder? And it turns out that that uh, characteristic just isn't true. That when you look at the data, the overwhelming majority of angel investors, at least in the, in the United States, are people who have a particular relationship with the entrepreneur, with the founder. Often people call this love money or friends, families, and fools money. Um, People who are investing in the entrepreneur because of who the entrepreneur is and not because they want to make money. And so it's your relatives, uncles, aunts, uh, coworkers, bosses, neighbors. The angel investors are everywhere. And they are people like you and me. So before you actually think about going out and looking for money from angels, you got to kind of understand a little bit more about who these people are and what their motivation is and why they invest in entrepreneurs. So as part of my speech, I try to list four reasons I've found why people invest in uh, in startups. And uh, they typically fall into one of four categories. Um, The first is uh, making money, like making a return on their investment. And if you talk to any angel investor, this is normally the first reason they'll give you. And they say, hey, why did you invest in XYZ company? And almost always they'll say, well, I thought it was going to be a great opportunity. And then they will give you another reason. And, and, And that second reason they give you... Is often the primary reason why they actually decided to make the investment, and the opportunity to make money was something that they used to rationalize spending money on this person. Uh, and so, the, the what are the other what are the other reasons that come after the and? Well, there's three categories that I came up with: um, uh, love, ego, and access. And I'm going to go into each one of those. But the issue on actually uh, angels investing for make a return. I mean, it's understandable why people have this motivation. I mean, there's not a lot of ways to, there's not a lot of other places for people to diversify their long-term savings right now. Bonds, CDs are paying very low interest rates. Uh, Stock market has been on a five or six year terror. And so multiples are very high. So people are a bit wary about putting more money into the stock market. Real estate, we just went through that major bubble a couple of uh, you know, seven or eight years ago and people are still feeling burned by the Great Recession. So people are looking for a new asset class and this is one they want to get take advantage of. The problem is that very, very few angel investors have the time to do the kind of due diligence necessary to make financially-based investments. Venture capitalists or people that manage institutional money this is what they do all day, right? So they can spend two or three months full time learning about a particular sector or an emerging market or, or get an expertise in a space and learn about investor, learn about a company, its founders, and do real due diligence. Unless you're retired, angels don't have the time to do that. I mean, I cannot justify spending 60 hours to uh, do due diligence on one particular company um, because I don't have time. I'm doing other things. I'm working, starting my own businesses and and, and playing golf. (laughs) Um, So I don't have the time. Um, But so you have to really, uh, you have to accept that that's a reason why people do it, but it's often a secondary reason. And so you want to make sure that you're tying into the primary drivers for why most people do angel investing. So again, love, ego, access. And the first one I'm going to take is love. Um, this is often called friends, family, and fools. Right? Love money. The, the round of uh, you know the round of money you raise um, from people who are betting on you because you of who you are as an entrepreneur. So a typical uh, typical example of this is, and this is often the case when you have founders who are recent graduates of a university, and their uh, rich uncle and aunt and parents say, well, you know, we've invested a quarter million dollars in their Harvard education. What's another 15 grand to start a company? So it's people who are investing in the entrepreneur and the founders for who they are as a person uh, and not often because of the idea or the merits of the idea. And so you can think of this as somebody who wants to help out somebody in their relationships, their family, um, is, is almost like a, not too different in helping them with their education. So a second reason that uh, on, that angels invest in entrepreneurs is ego. And there's a couple different reasons. There's a couple different categories of ego investing. One of them is that uh, people, as they get older, they're a member of the club and the country club. And every weekend on their golf foursome, their buddy Jack is always bragging about how much he made investing in Groupon. And you're sick of hearing Jack ramble and, and talk every week about how rich he is and all the great, cool tech investments he's doing. And you want to be part of the action. And so you also want to talk about the entrepreneurs that you're meeting and, and, the, and that, you, you know, you're also a player in this emerging, you know, you know quote unquote sexy uh, space. And so there's ego, but there's also an ego that is less, um, you know, I guess is more that in the realm of, of public service. And that's that. People want to give back to their community. They want to support entrepreneurs, maybe who are from their own country. If you're from, if you're a French investor, you may want to support entrepreneurs who are French because you have a particular personal connection to that. To helping French entrepreneurs, a, a common one, especially if you are starting a company outside of Silicon Valley or in New York, is entre- is investors who want to invest in. an And an entrepreneur in their hometown. So I live in Savannah, Georgia, and it's not uncommon for investors in regions like this to want to invest into entrepreneurs in in a region like Savannah because they want to see more innovative work. They want to see more innovative jobs. They want to see that kind of economic activity happening in their hometown. They're supporting the Savannah Voice Festival and the, the uh, Telford Arts Center. And this is another way that they, they can give back to their community. So ego isn't the reason. And, and the, the final way, and I think the, the motivation that a lot of entrepreneurs don't really appreciate or understand or take advantage of, is access. So when you're starting a company, you're you're trying to change the world. And you're getting insight into what customers want and how technology is going to be changing the way we work. And that's very valuable to other people. And so if you're starting a SaaS business, for instance, where you're going to try to disrupt the way small business accounting is done and tax software, people who have spent their entire career working in this space, like a partner at a major accounting firm, are are going to want to have the front row insight into how you're working and how the market is changing because that's information and that's our relationships they can bring to their career. Even if it just means that they're smarter about who they hire or when they stand at the board meeting, they can talk about trends that are happening in the marketplace and that is very valuable to them. So as you're looking for In in thinking about people that you want to invest in your company, never never forget that motivation. I've seen that's a very strong one for me. So in my particular instance, I invest in SaaS companies. Often, because even if the investment doesn't make a financial return, I get to build relationships and get insight into ways that I see other companies working, and I get a front row seat and access to the entrepreneur in ways that I would not normally get if I was just another person looking for advice. So, those are um, those are the four primary motivations that I think angels have. So, money, um, financial investment, is the is the one that people will tell you and. In, in some cases, that is the number one motivation. Um, love money is the second one. People who invest in an entrepreneur because of who you are. Ego, uh, the angel investor wants to support people from their their country, from their school, who are in their hometown. They want to invest in a particular type of entrepreneur because of who that, where that person is from. And finally, access. And these are the most common reasons that I've discovered why angels will invest in startups. Okay, so those are the, the the four primary reasons. So let's talk a little bit about process now and how you can actually find these angel investors and how you can engage them. If you take nothing else away from this conversation of what you hear from me, I want you to, to take away um, three words. And I guess if there's a theme to this uh, to this episode, it's this, and that is, Fundraising is sales. So you need to think about fundraising as a sales process. You're going to be selling or trading your time and equity in your company for investment introductions or um, advice from angel investors. So you have to think, if you think about sales, it takes time, it takes relationships, and you have to get people to take steps to get them to take a particular action. So with that in mind, I'm gonna to talk to you about ways that that I and I've seen others successfully go out and get small checks from angel investors. And once again, just to make sure we're, we're on the same page, I'm talking about going out and raising money from individual investors in 15 to $50,000 checks uh, to, to try and uh, fund your, your business. There's two common scenarios when I see this take place. Normally, the two that I see most common are if you are raising a small seed round. Some people call this a friends, families, and fools round, but you're raising a quarter million dollars to do your product development, to do your early customer discovery, to get a new startup going. The other common scenario is when you have a lead investor that's maybe putting in a quarter million dollars or 500000 Maybe it's a strategic investor, like a, a company that's going to be investing in your, in your startup. And you're, you want to round out the rest of the round and try to get to about a million dollars in of investment by getting smaller checks from angels. So if you're in that situation, here's a process that you may want to try. The first step is start early. Uh, even before you think about starting your company, get a, a CRM, a customer relationship management piece of software. The most well-known of these is Salesforce. Unless you're already using Salesforce with your sales process, it's probably overkill. There's a million CRMs out there. Um, there's Nutshell and PipeDrive and Salesforce IQ and Insightly and on and on and on. I just went through this uh, to this process last week, and I evaluated Salesforce IQ, PipeDrive, uh, Insightly, and Street as options to begin to put together. Um, to use it in my startup. And I decided on Streak just because the price point and features seem to fit pretty well what I was looking for. And I'm already familiar with it. So get a CRM and start building a list of anyone who might want to invest in your company, or might be able to introduce you to somebody who can. And as you're out talking to people about your business, customers, potential partners, um, investors, you know, potential founders, include notes, emails in the CRM about the conversations that you're having so that you have some context with which to follow up with them in the future. So build that list and, and keep building it throughout the life of building your company. Then about three to six months before you're actually getting ready to go out and raise money, um, before you uh, decide how much you're going to raise or set a valuation or start pitching or put your pitch deck, before you do any of that, go out and find somebody who has just recently raised money in your space. You can go onto AngelList and look at the done deals or you can look at the uh, VCs who invest into your space and look at the people they've invested into it and talk to the founders and ask them for advice about what they did. How do they find their investors? What did they ask for? Asked if you can see their pitch deck. What were the terms? Um, you know, just get the basic, get advice from them and ask their advice about what you should do in going raising your round. The reason you want to talk to other entrepreneurs. Uh, more than anybody else, is because the dynamics of fundraising change constantly. What worked for another entrepreneur a year ago probably won't work now because the markets change, investor needs change, and you just have to be able to adapt to that. So the most current information you're going to get is from somebody who just went through what you're about to go through. So talk to another entrepreneur who just raised money. Once you have that conversation, set a very specific goal for yourself. And that goal should have three parts. It should be the amount of money you want to raise by a certain date and using a certain type of vehicle. So for instance, I want to raise a quarter million dollars by September 1st from 10 to 15 angel investors. That having that kind of goal is going to do a couple of things for you that are really going to help this process along. First off, it's going to keep you on track and it's going to keep you focused on a deadline. It's going to make it easier for other people to make introductions because it will help them identify the people that you're going to be looking for. And as you start talking to potential investors, you're going to be able to give them a very clear closing deadline that's going to force them to make a decision of whether or not they want to invest. So have a specific goal and share that with your your co-founders, your advisors, other investors if you have them. Once you have that, once you have that um, goal, that's when you want to start asking for intros, and you want to take the list in your CRM, and you want to begin reaching out to everyone and talk, tell them about your goal, tell them who you want, tell them about your company, your goal, and ask them to introduce you to people who might be interested in investing in your company. Now, hopefully, you've already been engaging some of these people over the last uh, couple of months and years. Um, but look, try to meet potential investors in your business. The first thing you're going to want to do is qualify each one of these people. So, as introductions start coming in, someone's going to say, "Hey, you should you should talk to this Kevin Dewalt guy. I hear he does investments in SaaS companies. Sounds like he could be someone you're looking to 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 talk to." So, before you, one of the biggest ways that you can waste a lot of time doing this is by taking random meetings and pitching people who are never going to invest in your business. And so before you take a meeting, you want to do your best to try to qualify these people. And by doing that, it's going to send a signal to them and and to everybody else that they know that you're serious and you're looking for serious people. So what kind of questions can you ask them? Ask them if they're an accredited investor, right? It's an easy first one. If they don't know what that is, kind of a bad sign. It means that they may not be serious or they may not be ready to invest in, in, into your startup. How many deals did they do last year? How many deals are they looking to do this year? Would they be able to close and make an investment by your deadline? Um, these are very simple things that you can ask them and apply it with. It helps determine you know whether or not it's worth both of your time to begin going down the journey of pitching them. Um, so so once you you know you're gonna once you begin to go through that process you'll get better at it you'll get you'll get good at identifying the kind of people who are interested. Um, the next step is when you sit down with a potential investor. Try to first tailor the initial conversation to them. So when you sit down to engage them in the coffee shop or over the Skype call with your pitch deck, make it clear why you are reaching out to them specifically among all the thousands of people you could get money from, you're reaching out to them. For instance, you could say, hey, Kevin, I'm reaching out to you because you have an expertise in SaaS products and because I talked to XYZ founder who you invested in previously, and they said you were a tremendous help at growing their business. You know, so that's you know, that's how you could get my attention you know, if you are reaching out to somebody because they also went to your university or they're from your same country, make that clear to them. Um, if you're if you're looking to raise money in your small hometown, say, "Hey, look, I'm reaching out to you because I know you support entrepreneurship in Savannah, Georgia, and since I'm from here, I wanted to talk to you first before I start talking to the rest of the world." Doing that will set the stage for your conversation, which will make that person feel special like you're coming to them with a specific reason okay so after that you're going to go through your pitch deck and i'm not going to go into any of those details of how to pitch and financials and forecast i mean there's there's lots of other information written about that you can find that on your own um, and finally, I, I guess I don't know how to say this differently, but make sure you, you know, as part of your pitch that you ask, you know, I'm shocked at how many entrepreneurs have a hard time getting to ask and actually making the ask that said, hey, do you want to invest in my company? Do you want to write a check? And so I've got some references and books that I recommend um, a little bit later that help you can, to figure that out. Okay, so that's the process. I'm going to talk about a couple of hacks and landmines, things that you should do that will make this process a little bit easier and maybe some things to avoid. The first thing is I want to set your expectations about how much time it takes to to raise angel funding. And this is why you want to start early and you want to build a list. You're going to have for every 25 people you ask for intros, you're going to get maybe 50 conversations that come out of that because some of the people you know are going to be able to introduce you to multiple people. Out of that, you're going to maybe be able to qualify five people. And if you do your pitch and you engage five potential uh, investors, you're maybe going to get one investment out of that. So just in terms of the sheer time and volume of conversations you're going you're, you're to require, you know, to get a twenty five dollars or $50,000 check out of somebody, you're, gonna look, you're looking at several months and 50-plus personalized emails and conversations just to get that one check. So if you're looking at raising a quarter million to a half million dollars from angels, I mean, you do the math. It's You need to have a lot of conversations to get there. And the sooner you can start getting that list of people and and knowing how to engage them and what their motivations are, the better position you're going to be in to do this quicker. Um, then the next, uh, I guess the next tip is that you know, there's this, this old saying, um, that uh, when you, you want advice, ask for money. And when you want money, ask for advice. Uh, I think another way I've heard it said that uh, ask for advice and get money twice. But the, you know, the bottom line is it's going to be very difficult to get someone to give you money who doesn't know you and who isn't familiar with you. And so one of the best ways to target your angel investors and to bring them along with your journey is to sign them up as advisors early in the process. You know, add them to your advisor list, and angel list. See if they'll take a you know a thirty minute phone call with you you know once every month or two when you have a question. Or just ask if you can follow up with them and advice later. Or add them to your email list and update them regularly about your process. You you need to really make people feel like they're a part of the journey before they're going to want to commit to giving you money. It's it's just very rare that you can get someone to give you money on a first conversation. Um. So, um, ask for, uh, ask for money and you get advice, ask for advice and you get money. Um, second thing I was going to recommend is three books. Um, the two you might already be familiar with. One is Influence that talks about human nature and how to get people to take action. And that is just a great book generally for, for every entrepreneur and it should be on your bookshelf. The other one is um, called Angel Investing by David Rose. Dave is the founder of New York Angels, or is a member of New York Angels, the founder of the Gust software platform. If you want to understand what it's like for angels, uh, the person on the other side of the table, then that's a reasonably good book to read. Although I would say David's perspective is much more coming from someone who's angel investing for a financial motivation. And in my experience, that's not most angel investors. Um, the final book and the one you're probably not familiar with, and the one which may be most useful to the most of you, is called "The Ask," and it's by Laura Fredericks. Laura Fredericks called "The Ask." You can find it on Amazon. I got it on my Kindle I don't know, less than ten bucks. Um, Laura's expertise is in raising money as ma- looking for major donors for nonprofits. But the process for engaging people, talking to them, getting them to come along, and actually making an ask is the same. So I think I have the audiobook and it's the, it, it's okay. Um, e- either way, it's a great reference book to have on your bookshelf. So those are three books I recommend. Uh, another tip is don't assume that the angel investors know very much. Um, Oftentimes, even people who've invested in multiple companies are not very familiar with – well, they're going to be very unfamiliar with your company, with your product, with your market. But they also may not be that familiar with how angel investing works. Um, So don't assume that you're the most ignorant person in in the room and that that they know what to expect. For instance, if you are if you have a lead investor and you have that lead investor has a legal team that's doing due diligence, you the person who's going to be writing a $15,000 check probably does not need to hire a lawyer if there's already another legal team sitting on their side of the table that's doing all that work. It's just not worth spending 1500 bucks for a lawyer on a $15,000 investment. Um, Make sure that if you you know when you give angels a term sheet, send it to them and offer to have your attorney get them on the phone and walk through it with them or, or walk through it with them yourself to help them understand why the terms are in there. Point out the things that are most important. Set expectations in terms of the amount of time this is going to take, um, and in terms of how follow-on rounds are gonna work. Um, you know, let them know the kind of due diligence that, that, that most of their angel investors um, typically do. And, um, and you know, at, at, at the nothing else, let them know how much they should invest. And so I'm often shocked that when I ask entrepreneurs, I say, okay, you know, how much are you looking for? You know, what's the minimum investment? And a lot of times I say, well, you know, uh, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. And I know they're trying to be polite, but you know, you, you obviously don't want to get fifty dollar checks from people, so you have a lower limit. And I think you should feel comfortable saying, look, I'm not looking for th- anything smaller than fifteen thousand dollars. And that will that makes it easier for the person who's in- investing to say, okay, that makes sense. Or if you're if you're looking for fifty, say fifty, and you say, but I'm willing to go as low as fifteen. So. Educate angels. Um, you know, take when somebody makes a commitment or seems like they're ready to make this process easier for them. And don't presume that they know very much because they probably don't. Um, a couple of tactical things. Um, I recommend the safe documents. S A F E. You can just search on Y combinator financing documents. I've used this recently, and I think they're a lot better than convertible notes. And so, um, in terms of making it easier for everybody, including yourself. I think the purpose of these documents, or the, you know, this type of uh, vehicle, is to have some of the benefits of doing a convertible note. That is, you don't have to price the round without having some of the you know the longer term frustrations of, of debt. Um, don't send mass emails out looking for investments. I mean, I get these things in my inbox and it's, you know, dear Mr. DeWalt, you know, we're on blah, 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 looking to raise blah, blah, blah. And I, I just hit the spam filter, delete it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody responds to these things. It's just noise and you're not going to get any return. And in fact, if anything, it's just going to make you and your business, uh, cheapen your value. Um, don't ambush investors. Um, I, I'll give you a good example of what I mean by this. And so uh, I was at, South by Southwest and was uh, as, as hanging out with Dave McClure, who's the founder of 500 Startups. You, you may have uh, known or met Davey. He's quite a character. And, he, you know, he was sitting at his laptop, poor guy's trying to work and get ready for a presentation. And he kept yelling out, don't pitch me. And entrepreneurs were coming up to him as he's trying to work and just throwing paper and cards and information on the poor guy's keyboard. And he just, it was just driving the guy nuts. And so Don't ambush people. Don't don't try to engineer a situation where you put yourself with an investor at a party so that you can pitch them about your idea in that kind of environment. It doesn't work. It just makes it really uncomfortable. It's okay to meet people. But if you want to to actually pitch an investor, ask them for that opportunity to to be able to talk to them about your fundraising in another environment. Give that person an opportunity to say no before you kind of blast away at them. and uh, so those are those are basically it. So let me just um, let me take a minute and, and kind of wrap things up by, by summarizing. I threw a lot of information in this podcast uh, about fundraising. So let me take a minute now to just kind of focus on what I think are the, the key takeaways for what you should do. So the first is start. Early. I can't emphasize this enough. Get a CRM. Don't try to keep track of this in your head or on a spreadsheet or, or in your, your email. It's it's just not worth it. There's These CRMs are very useful collecting information about people. Most of them will actually go out and, and, and allow you to you know add other information, enrich your, your CRM. Your, when you put a lead into these CRMs, it will allow you to enrich them with information like LinkedIn profile, and Twitter account. That's going to be very useful for you. Start early. Ask for advice when you as you start making your short list of people you really want to be investors in your company. Start engaging them, asking them for advice so you can build a relationship with them and get trust. I think um, as you start trying to look for different motivations, I would advise that you target people who are going to get value from having access to your technology or how the market is evolving. And I think that's an area where a lot of entrepreneurs could access angel investors, but don't normally try. Talk to other entrepreneurs before you start fundraising and out of those discussions, come up with a very specific goal of how much money you want to raise by a particular date. And after that, begin following a sales process, Um, ask for introductions, qualify people, engage them one-on-one, explain to them why you're reaching out to them and asking for an investment. Uh, and then just continue to follow up with them again and again and again and again. Um, like a lot of sales, this is a, this is perspiration, not inspiration. You can't think your way into raising money. Um, it's a, it's a skill that you can learn and get good at. And it's one that I think you will find you'll enjoy once you get comfortable with asking for money. So that's it. That is angel investing. I, um, I hope this was helpful to you. Thanks again and enjoy your week and uh, good luck with your products.